What's up, everybody? I'm Sarah. I'm Shauna. I'm Sam. And I'm Bobby. And this is Speaking of Missing Persons. everybody to another episode of Speaking of Missing Persons and welcome to the new listeners. Before we get started, a little bit of business. We have two other shows. Make sure you check those out. It's Speaking of Miss or Speaking of Murders and Speaking of Hauntings. If you like this, you'll like those. Um, if you want to see any photos uh, related to today's episode or you just want to reach out and interact with us, you can find all of our socials in the episode description and the show description. If you really like the show and you want to support us, our Patreon is also linked in the episode and show description, so you can go there and do that. If you want a free way to support the show, give us five stars, leave a review, share it with your friends. It doesn't cost you a penny, and it really helps us out. So all of that said, Sarah, tell us about a missing person. I'd love to, Bob. <laughs> all right. Okay, so today we're going to talk about a girl named Michaela Bali. The story is confusing, so we're going to do it in a timeline fashion. Okay. Am I going to need, like, a a notebook to write this down and follow along? I was going to say, do I need my pen and paper? No. You should be okay. I'm going to say up front, though, like, a couple months before she went missing... Her and her mom changed their last name from, hold on, let me see if I can not butcher this. So her full name used to be Michaela Margaret Kim Nybergall, but for some reason, they changed their last names to Bali, but nobody knows why. Well, probably just for easier pronunciation. Maybe. If my last name was Nerfenschwergenberger... (sighs) I would probably want to change it to something like Smith or something like that. I guess. Can't relate. Did you guys know, speaking of name changes, I looked because of a stupid conversation, but did you you know that they went from $50 to $100? I did not know that. Name changes? Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's called inflation, Shona. Yeah. Everything must go up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but it's like one of those things where it's always like name changes are 50 bucks. Like that's how it's been since I was little. Yeah, well, not anymore. All right, so at the time of Michaela's disappearance, she was 16 years old. She was born July 2nd, 1999, and went missing on April 12th of 2016. So it's fairly recent, six years. She disappeared from Yorkton, Saskatchewan, Canada. So we're in Canada. 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 (laughs) (laughs) The true north. So the night before she went missing, she called a friend and asked this friend to take her to the bank. For whatever reason, the friend said no. And then the next morning at 6.41 a.m., she texted that same friend asking for a ride to the bank again 
And she claimed that she had $5,000 in her account, but police would later say that was not true. The friend, again, told Michaela no, this time because she's like, the bank is not even open for hours. So at her house that morning, her mom Paula would say they had a normal routine. Like they did every morning. They ate breakfast. They got dressed. Paula went to work. Michaela's grandmother drove her to school. So they lived with their grandma. So Paula's mom. Paula's sister. So Michaela's aunt. And then Michaela had two younger siblings. They all lived in the same house. Her grandma drops her off. And Michaela is like seen on surveillance cameras entering the school. At 8.20, she went to Sacred Heart High School, but she left out the back door six minutes later after she dropped things off in her locker. I was going to say, so she basically just went through the front door and then right back out the back door. Yeah, she dropped things off in her locker and then left the school. When she was reported missing which we'll talk about in a little bit police spent hundreds of hours watching surveillance cameras from different businesses around the town to track her movements so that's what we're going to talk about now is like her movements that day okay so at 8 50 to 8 55 she was seen walking to the bank she was desperate to get to the bank for something. Correct. She was on the phone at this time, but when the bank teller like opened the bank, she like immediately hung up the phone, went inside, withdrew $55 from her account. At 9 a.m., she went to a pawn shop and tried to pawn this silver ring, but the pawn shop owner was like, it was not worth anything, so I wouldn't buy it. And he would later say she didn't seem like any like anything out of the normal was going on with her. At 9.15, she enters a Tim Hortons and Wendy's combo restaurant. She orders a drink, and then she sits in a booth. Uh, Tim Hortons, that's uh, kind of like an IHOP type of restaurant, right? I think so. Yeah, I think. Like, mostly like breakfast foods and I think. Al- almost like a Denny's-ish. I think so. I, I'm pretty sure it is. You don't find them much down here. No. They're north of us mainly. Yeah. So what's strange from this video is she has a backpack with her, which was said she never carried a backpack to school. So... Her having this backpack stuck out to everyone in the videos. While she was in the restaurant, she's caught on video nervously looking out the windows and the doors. At 9.23, she left out of one of the exits, then comes back inside and leaves out of the other exit. At 9.49, she came back inside the restaurant. This time, she was on the phone. She sat at another booth facing one of the doors this time. Real quick. Yes. Um, 
do they have any video from between when she walked out the second time and when she walked back in for the third time that that what uh, 12 13 minute gap no so they don't know if she went outside and talked to the way it looks is the way it's betrayed is this restaurant had cameras inside but not outside their building okay so and you can watch these videos gotcha um when she's back in the restaurant this time, she texts her best friend Shelby at ten twelve, and says, hey, I need help. But then 20 minutes later, she texts Shelby back and says, never mind, I figured it out. Well, Shelby had left her phone at home that day, so she didn't even get those text messages until school was over. At 10.43... She's seen on the cameras in the restaurant walking up to another customer and she asks this lady if she could get her a hotel room for the night, but the lady refused. And she wasn't like people don't think she was asking her to physically like or like actually pay for the hotel room. It's just she was 16 and couldn't get a hotel room herself. Yeah, she needed it. An adult. She needed to make an adult the reservation. Right. Well, after this, Michaela left the restaurant again. Two minutes later, so two minutes after she talked to this lady, she left the restaurant. She was on the phone again. Her whereabouts are unknown between ten forty-five and eleven fifty-five. She shows up again on surveillance cameras at around noon back at her school, where she met with two of her friends. And she told them she was going to take the bus to Regina, which was a town nearby. At 12.02, she's seen on camera leaving school and going to a bus station. After checking the bus schedule, though, and finding out that the bus she wanted wasn't leaving until 5, she left the bus station. But then she's seen entering a restaurant called Trail Shop which was located, I couldn't figure out if it was inside the bus station or near the bus station. There's no cameras inside of this restaurant. They were outside the restaurant. So she's seen going in at 1 o'clock, and then she's seen coming back out at one forty-five, and that's the last time she's seen. Her grandmother went to pick her up from school, that afternoon and was supposed to take her to a violin lesson and found out that she had not been in class all day. So she called Michaela's mother, Paula, and the two of them went looking for Michaela for hours around town before reporting her missing. But they did report her missing that afternoon. It is not known where Michaela went after she left the bus station. And by 7 a.m. the next morning, her phone was shut off. Police questioned her friends and pieced together this timeline. And by the way, her friends, they literally didn't care that she was missing. It's kind of... Seriously? Weird. Friends like that? Who needs enemies? Right. At first, the investigation into her disappearance was being investigated investigated by the Yorkton RCMP. But after three weeks, 
they handed the case over to the general investigation section, which is a unit dedicated to investigating major offenses. Searching her social media, they found that two months before her disappearance, she posted a photo of a Snapchat profile, and it read, Looking for Snapchat friends because I have none in real life. Please don't be a greasy fuck and send me gross-ass nudes. Just looking for friends. So that made the police believe that she was contacted by someone and maybe was planning to meet them in Regina. According to her friends, putting that in air quotes, she was texting a guy by the name of Christopher leading up to her disappearance and had told them that he was planning to visit Saskatchewan. And I guess she was still friends with her ex-boyfriend, and he told police that Christopher was supposedly coming to visit his mother and was going to hang out with Michaela when he got there. But police found this Christopher, and they searched his house, and they cleared him as a suspect because he was not in Canada during the time Michaela disappeared. He was from the United States, so he had... Never been to Canada. And he later told CBC News that she had previously attempted suicide since he had met her, but that she seemed to be doing a lot better. She was also reportedly talking to, or not like texting, a boy named Josh, but the Josh that, like the only Josh police could find that knew her. They hadn't talked in years, so that was a dead end. They also found that Michaela could have been using an app called Kick Mm -hmm. to hide her messages and phone calls because when they went to her phone company, they were like, that girl was not using her phone on April 12th. So all the time she was seen on the phone, they have no record of that. That makes sense, but that's sad. Yeah. So they have no idea who she was talking to. They also do not believe that she bought a ticket that day from the bus station because they could find no proof that she did. And so it's believed that whatever happened to her happened to her in Yorkton or she got a ride out of Yorkton somewhere. That was my suspicion is that she hitchhiked. To try yeah. and get to Regina. Since the bus wasn't leaving until five, she just found somebody to give her a ride. Possibly. But did they ever go to Regina and look for her there to see if she ever made it there? Yeah. So three months after her disappearance, the RCMP issued a child search alert, but only in Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba. So not a Canada expert, but from my understanding, Regina and Yorkton are both in Saskatchewan. And then you have like Alberta and Manitoba that are like outside so of that. Outside so of it's their like s- counties are like our counties. It, yeah, it's like our out. Towns. It's like the United well, States version of Manitoba, like a state. 
almost. M- yeah, Manitoba, Saskatchewan, and Alberta are each territories. Right. Well, that's what I meant. But it, it's it works it's like the same our, way as our like counties. It's no, more like it's our a lot state. more like a state. It's because like, they are huge, yeah. massive. So it's like our version of states, and then Yorkton and Regina are like counties inside of those states. If that makes mm-hmm. sense. Okay. So. They issued those alerts in those three places, but it was like three months after she disappeared. On the year anniversary of her disappearance, the case was handed over to the historical case unit. And also at this time, they did a three-day search of the woods and a lake that were near her high school, but they found nothing. On December 4th, 2017, the child search alert was renewed and expanded so then they spread it all throughout Canada in 2019 is when the video surveillance video like were released to the public trying to bring in leads they thought like if they showed her exact movements for that day somebody would remember something like running into her right Paula Describes Michaela as shy and a quiet girl that liked to play violin and was part of the drama club. In a newspaper article, she said Michaela wasn't engaged in dangerous, risky behaviors. She had no mental health issues, no substance abuse issues, no temper tantrums or threats to run away, and no sneaking out. And when she was invited to sleepover she would usually call by 11 and ask to be picked up because paula says she was a homebody now michaela's friends do describe like her best friend described her as very caring and like conscious of what her friends were going through but some of her friends like voiced that her actions that day were very intentional on her part like she was like very intentional about what she was doing they also said that she was using drugs that she was depressed that she was like very standoffish and a lot of them didn't really know anything about her life outside of school because she wouldn't hang out with them outside of school and that she spent a lot of time on these online chat and meeting people that were nowhere near where she lived. So, like I said, during the police investigation, the cell, pro- cell phone provider couldn't give them any records of that day. And I think th- they're still fighting with the apps that she was using to try to get any information because, I mean... They're allowed to withhold it. Yeah. I mean, that is kind of the contractual thing with like Snapchat and stuff is. Right. That. And she used Snapchat a lot. She used FaceTime a lot to keep because FaceTime is a separate entity. So it doesn't show up on your phone call logs. Like if you were video chatting on an Android, that would show up. But FaceTime on an iPhone is a separate entity. So it doesn't show up in your logs of you used your phone during that time. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I found that out looking at this case. So she was using 
all of these different things to hide who she was talking to. Yeah, and Kick was very popular at that time. Right. Yeah. Well, since they found no evidence of foul play, they have she's continued to be listed as just a missing person. They don't believe that she was harmed in any way. Like abducted? No, more like they don't believe she was murdered. Oh, that she was potentially abducted. Right, but not necessarily murdered. Um, now, bear with me here. The And Sarah, you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, that highway of tears uh-huh. in Canada, does that, yes. is that anywhere near this? I don't know. I didn't look it up. But, I mean, that is a good point if she was hitchhiking. Yeah, if she's hitchhiking That's down, a very good place to get kidnapped. Yeah. But I don't remember where in Canada that is. Yeah, I don't remember either. But, I don't know, for some reason, I'm just, I feel like I've heard it associated with Regina before. So, it is... Between Prince George and Prince Rupert in British Columbia. Oh, okay. So that's a totally different part of the country. Yes. Yes. Okay. So then that couldn't be it. Well, police and Paula have followed up on hundreds of leads in the six years since she disappeared. Okay. So I'm going to say this. The police in Canada say they followed up on every lead. Paula will say they have not. And other sources will say they have not. She has been very proactive in the case, but also people claim that she tries very hard to, like, save face. So that's why she's very adamant that her daughter did not do drugs, was not depressed, never tried to commit suicide, like those kinds of things. Which, in reality, if... These friends of hers are claiming they never really hung out with her outside of school. Then how would you know what she was doing? Right. Yeah, but on the flip side of that, kids hide shit from their parents. Exactly. So it's hard to say because neither of them would have a completely accurate picture. Right. The only person who's going to know are is her. And potentially her one best friend. Her one best friend's. Who and all the people she was talking to on the internet. But her one mm, best maybe. friend gave statements in the beginning and was told not to speak about her anymore. So she hasn't spoken about her since she first went missing. Like, by, I'm assuming her own family was just like, stay out of, stay it. Out of it. You gave your initial statement. You're done, kind of a deal, which is how a lot of her friends are, is like they talked about it in the beginning, and then later on when they were like in the past six years, they've said things like, oh, well, we just didn't really care that she was missing because she talked about it all the time, that she was going to run away, so we just didn't really care. So a lot of them are more of the school of thought that she walked away. Right. But her mother is not. 
on that school of thought. Well, I mean, that's what it sounded like to me from all the surveillance. It seemed as though she was trying to run away or meet up with somebody. Her mom leans more towards, and a lot of people lean more towards, she was going to meet up with someone. They have this theory that, like, the reason she asked for a hotel room is because maybe this person was like, oh, I can't get a hotel room in my name either, and so we have to find an adult, and then I'll meet you there. And then they meet, and he's not at all who he's claimed to be and kidnapped her, and a lot of people believe she was sold into human trafficking. Like, that she met someone sketchy off the internet and was kidnapped and put into human trafficking. And it's, I mean, it's a good possibility. Yeah. I mean, her mother has followed as many tips as she can that have come in. They've gotten tips from the United States, but United States has been, like, super cooperative and, like, followed up on all of them. And they, like, apparently spend a lot more time, like talking to Paula about things than the Canadian police do. Like, the Canadian police are apparently keeping a lot of things secret still, which I can see as a mother how that would piss you off. Yeah. Well, on the six-year anniversary, which was in April of this year, a group of anonymous local business owners from Yorkton donated $60,000 towards the reward that her mom had her mom had like put together fundraisers and all these things to get a reward and it was at $40,000. So now there's a $100,000 reward. And Dang. Paula said the money would be given to anyone that provides credible information that leads to her missing daughter. So it ha- the, this reward is, has nothing to do with police or this is like she's put in the time and effort to come up with this reward. That's impressive. Yeah. Yeah, extremely. So, yeah, the two biggest theories are she ran away on her own and she either possibly came to the United States and is hiding out here somewhere where it would be harder to find her. Or she did go to Regina at first and then went to a whole different part of Canada. And her mom believes she's alive. But her mom also said she doesn't believe she would just run away because she didn't really take anything of hers with her from her room. She also apparently had an emergency fund in her room that she left. She took none of that money. So that's where her mom leans towards, okay, she met someone, she was just going to hang out with them for a little bit, and things went wrong. Yeah, I mean, if she only took $55 with her that day when she had an emergency fund stashed away at home. Yeah. Yeah, that seems more like met up with the wrong kind of person. Yeah. Well, right now, Michaela would be 22 years old. At the time of her disappearance, she was 5'2", between 114 and 125 pounds. She had blonde shoulder-length hair with blue eyes. She had several 
chicken pox scars on her forehead and between her eyebrows. She has a light birthmark the size of a dime on the right side of her chin. She also has a scar on her left hand and would have been wearing thick-rimmed teal glasses. In some of the pictures, it looks almost like she has red hair. Like, it's like a, depending on the light, it's like red to blonde. And she did have acne on her face. And that was another reason why her mom said she didn't think she ran away because she had been bullied a lot over the years for her acne. And she left all of her acne medication at home also, which she was like religious about using because she didn't want to get made fun of. But if you have any information about her disappearance, you can actually call the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children in the United States because they got involved in this case pretty much on their own without being asked. And their number is one 800 843-5678. And that is Michaela Bali's case. All right. Well, if you uh, have any information, make sure you call them. If you want to reach out to us and talk about that case, you can do that on our socials. It's all in the episode description. Make sure you're giving us five stars and sharing us so more people can hear about Michaela and other missing people that we spotlight every week. Anyone have anything else they want to add in? No. No. All right. We'll see y'all next week. Bye. 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 Bye.